Chapter forty one of Darnley by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty one. They all, as glad as birds of joyous prime, thence led her forth about her dancing round. Spencer. The bustle, the confusion, the clamour, the questions, and the explanations that ensued, we shall leave the reader to imagine, satisfied that his vivid fancy will do far more justice to such a scene than our worn-out pen. When the bodies of Sir Payan Welton and his companion in death had been removed from the chamber of the king, and some sand strewed about the ground to cover the gory memories that such deeds had left behind, order and tranquillity began to regain their dominion. "'By my faith, a bloody morning's entertainment have we had,' said Francis. "'But you are happy, my good brother of England, in having traitors that will thus dispatch each other.' and cheat the headsman of his due. However, from what I have gathered, Osborne Darnley, the knight of Burgundy, can no longer seem a traitor in the eyes of any one. No, truly, my gracious lord, replied Wolsey, willing to pleasure the king of France. He stands freed from all spot or blemish, and well deserves the kingly love of either noble monarch. Slife, my good lord cardinal, cried Henry, speak for yourself alone. Now I say on my soul he is still a most deep and egregious traitor, not only, like that Sir Payan Wileton, in having planned his treason, but in having executed it. "'Nay, how so?' cried Francis, startled at this new charge. "'In what is he a traitor now?' "'In having aided Francis, King of France,' replied Henry, smiling, "'to storm our castle of Guine and take his liege lord and sovereign prisoner.' "'Oh, if that be the case,' cried Francis, "'I give him up to your royal indignation.' but still we have a boon to ask which our gracious brother will not refuse name it name it exclaimed henry by st mary it shall go to pay our ransom whatever it be you have in your court replied francis one lady constance de grey who though your born subject is no less vassal to the crown of france owing homage for the counties of boissy and the val de marne assured to your late subject the lord de grey by charles the eighth when he gave him in marriage Constance, Countess of Boissy, as a reward for services rendered in Italy. "'We see your object, O most Christian king,' cried Henry, laughing. "'We see your object. What a messenger of Cupid you are! Well, have your wish. We give her to your highness, so to dispose of her as you may think fit. But at the same time, claim Lord Osborne Darnley at your hand, to punish according to his demerits. What say you, ha?' agreed agreed replied the king of france he awaits me as i said even now in the corridor without and doubtless thinks i sue for him in vain those guards must have passed him in the corridor no no they came the other way cried henry ho without there sergeant-at-arms take four stout halberdiers and going into the west corridor attach me for high treason the lord osborne darnley whom you will there find waiting hist hear me man use him with all gentleness we do but jest with him and make some fair excuse to shut him up in one of the chambers of the new palace the nearer to the great hall the better away make speed and above all return quick and let me know where you have put him but take heed and let him not see that we mock him haste my good lord cardinal he continued turning to wolsey though it be an unmeet task for one of your grave dignity to bear a message to a lady 
yet on this day of joy when our good brother francis comes here to greet us in brotherly love even wise men shall forget their seriousness and be as gay as boys hi then good wolsey to our lady queen tell her to call all the fair flowers of england round about her in our great hall to welcome francis of france and that i will be there immediately upon your steps the cardinal bowed low and instantly obeyed and henry proceeded in whispering consultation with francis till the return of the sergeant-at-arms then turning to the worthy clothier who when he found all the killing and slaying was over had come out from behind the arras to enjoy the air of royalty come good jekin cried henry now a task for thee hark man and he whispered something to honest groby who instantly replied lord a mercy yes your grace i know wilson goldsmith well i'll go to him directly no trouble in life lord i guess how it's going to be well i'm vastly glad i do declare lords a mercy i hope your grace's worship will let me be there ay man ay cried the king make speed and come with him ho snell give me a gown of tissue bid the guard be ready we will cross the green to the palace let the marshals be called to clear the way in a very few minutes all was prepared and as the two kings were descending the grand staircase of the castle news was brought that a band of french nobles anxious for the safety of their king had come over from ard at all speed to seek him francis sent his commands that they should dismount in the court and on issuing out of the castle the monarch found a splendid party of the english and french nobility mingled together waiting to give them the good morrow ha alencon what fear you man cried the king of france we are all safe sir richard hartley look not for lord darnley he is in security follow and you will see him presently gentlemen all you are most welcome said henry follow us all that love us to our poor palace here without and we shall make you better cheer where ladies words shall replace this summer air and their sweet looks the sunshine sound on before the trumpets sounded and the ushers and marshals clearing the way for the two kings they passed out of the castle gate and traversed the green on foot amidst the shouts and acclamations of the crowd that the arrival of the french nobles together with the various rumours of something extraordinary having happened had collected in the neighbourhood of the royal lodging arm in arm with francis henry delighting with ostentatious magnificence to show himself to the people passed round to the front of the palace and entering the court which we have already described he proceeded at once to the great hall called the hall of the cloth of silver to which on the announcement of his intentions by wolsey the queen had hastily summoned all the elect of the court on the entrance of the kings with all the train of noblemen who had followed them a temporary confusion ensued while francis was presented to the queen of england and henry whispered to her a few brief hints of what had taken place room room lords and ladies cried he at length let us have space there would not be space enough for him in the world if he had his will whispered lady katrine bulmer to constance de grey who stood by her side unwillingly appearing in such a meeting on oh, my life constance his eye is fixed upon us now what would i give to be king if it were but to outstare him the lady constance de grey said henry in a loud tone we would speak with the lady de grey nay speak gently said the queen good my lord you will frighten her 
Constance, come hither to the queen, your friend. With a pale cheek and a beating heart, Constance advanced to the side of the queen, and bending her eyes upon the ground, awaited in silence, not daring to look around. Fear not, fair one, said Henry. We are not angry, but only sorry to lose you. Here is our noble brother, Francis of France, claims you as his vassal at our hands. Constance looked up and saw the King of France's eye bent on her with a smile that gave her courage. Now, notwithstanding the great love we bear him, continued Henry, we might have resisted his demand inasmuch as you are our born subject, had you not shown some slight perverseness against our repeated commands. We therefore must and will resign you into his hands, unless you instantly agree to receive such lord to be your husband, as we shall judge fitting for your rank and station. "'Oh, no, no, my lord!' cried Constance, clasping her hands, and forgetting, in her fear of fresh persecution, the crowd by which she was surrounded. "'Force me not, I beseech your grace, to wed against my will.' "'You see,' said Henry, turning to the King of France, "'you see the lady is headstrong. Take her, my good brother, I give her up to you. There, sweetheart, is your lord and sovereign. See if you can obey him better.' Francis took the fair girl by the hand, and bending down his head, said in a kindly tone, Lady, fear not, lift up your eyes, and tell me if there is one in all this circle you would make your choice. No, indeed, my lord, faltered forth Constance, without looking round, all I ask is to be left in peace. If you have ever seen any one to whom you could give your heart, tell me, said Francis. Constance was silent. "'Then I am to judge that you have not,' continued the king, "'so I will choose for you.' Constance raised her eyes with a supplicating look, but Francis's face was turned towards Henry, who, with a laughing glance, had taken the queen by the hand, and was leading her towards one of the doors. "'Come, we must follow,' cried Francis. "'Lord Cardinal, we shall need your company.' Constance gazed round with doubt and apprehension, but Francis leapt her forward immediately after the King and Queen of England, whispering as they went, Fear not, sweet lady, you are with a friend who knows all. The whole court followed along one of the splendid galleries of the palace, preceded by Henry and Catherine, who stopped, however, before a door, from before which a page held back the hangings, and, Here, said the King of England, putting a key into Francis's hand, here you take precedence this is the cage and here is the fetter maker pointing to a respectable looking merchant in a long furred robe who stood with jeking groby in a niche hard by more and more confused not knowing what to fear or what to believe the very uncertainty made constance's heart sink more than actual danger would have done but still the king of france led her forward even before queen catherine and putting the key in the lock threw open the door and drew her gently in when the first object that met her sight was osborne darnley with his arms folded on his breast standing before the high altar of a splendid chapel her heart beat her eyes grew dim her brain reeled and she would have fallen fainting to the ground but darnley started forward and clasped her to his heart nay nay this is too much cried the queen advancing see the poor girl faints my good lord indeed this must not be to-day it has been too much for her already some day before the two courts part we will pray my good lord cardinal to speak a blessing on their love 
bear her to the sacristy sir osborne katrine bulmer giddy namesake help your friend while i pray their graces both to return into the hall end of chapter forty one end of darnley by george payne rainsford james